It's something that a lot of people are buzzing about, reducing carbon emissions. It's good for everyone. But how do we reduce emissions while also meeting our world's increasing energy needs? Using propane is an excellent way to reduce emissions while meeting energy needs today. Propane is a clean, non-toxic energy source that helps reduce carbon emissions right now. In fact, propane's carbon intensity score in Minnesota is only 80. Grid electricity in Minnesota, including wind and solar, has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. Who knew that using propane was that much cleaner than electricity? Plus, the abundance of propane and growth of renewable propane means it can be used for generations to come. Millions of Americans rely on propane to heat their homes and businesses, fuel vehicles on-road and off, and much more. Making propane the right energy right now. Find out more about what propane can do for you and the environment by going to propane.com. Let's start off prep today with John Millay with tournament time. And a reminder, this is part of TalkNorth.com. And you should subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. It's the best way to listen to this show. And there are many great shows across the platform. All right, John, let's start off with tournament time. Yeah, just real briefly here, Jim. It's good talking to you. Uh, our first item is just a quick rundown of where we are. And we are in the middle of spring state tournaments as we all know, we didn't have any spring sports two years ago. We were limited a year ago in the spring, but we're, we're back full bore. The weather's outstanding uh, this week. And this is kind of week one of a really busy two weeks of state tournaments. These things come hard and fast once they start. So this week, uh, we have the Boys State Tennis Tournament, two sites in Minneapolis, the State Softball Tournament, Thursday and Friday in North Mankato and the state track meet at St. Michael Albertville. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm uh, spending the early part of the week visiting tennis. I'll get to softball. The bulk of my time this week will be at track, uh, which is one of my favorite things to do. And then next week, between June 14th and 18th, we'll be busy again. We'll have state tournaments in baseball lacrosse and golf and the big baseball championship day at target field will be the 17th that'll be great fingers crossed for the weather and the spring season you know fall winter spring and high school sports they're all really different spring is the one that just seems to fly by especially in cases like this year when the weather at the beginning of the season is just lousy, which it was. But here we are, you know, we're wrapping things up. So keep our fingers crossed for the weather and uh, really looking forward to these uh, these two weeks of spring tournaments. Yes, he is John Millay from MSHSL. You can find his work at MSHL, MSHSL.org. I almost got through it. Uh, at John's Journal, I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Our producer is Brianne Burdett. And our sales executive is Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. Thank you for listening to the network. We do appreciate it. Let's talk about last week's state tournament. Yeah, Jim, we had a great state adapted softball state tournament last weekend. This one was not held for two years. So in 2020, it's a spring sport. We didn't have spring sports. Last year, adapted softball teams could have a regular season play, but just for the health and safety of, of everybody, especially the kids involved, there was no state tournament. But it was back uh, last weekend at Chanhassen High School, which is a great host. And for people who don't know, adapted softball, it's played indoors, in gyms, plastic bats, plastic balls, 
Sometimes the pitchers pitch underhand. For kids who have a difficult time with that, they can put the ball on a tee, uh, plastic bases taped down, you know, uh, baselines taped down. It's really a neat deal. And uh, this this was just fun to me. Um, this was like, as I thought about it, and I wrote a story on John's journal at mshsl.org about the tournament, just the just how great it was. And as I was putting that story together, it just kind of hit me. I think we're back. I th- COVID clearly is still out there. But I think as far as high school sports and activities go, I'm ready to, to declare we're back at full strength after seeing that tournament held. It was just so much fun. Everybody was happy. Uh, and the adapted softball state champions this year are Dakota United in the physically impaired division and Burnsville, Farmington, Lakeville in the cognitively impaired division. Congrats, congrats to all the teams. And another return to normalcy came during the adapted softball tournament, the pretzel to cheese ratio challenge, a longstanding Twitter staple of mine. And for those who don't know, this thing, I've been doing this for, oh, I don't know, eight years, maybe. I don't even remember. Um, Here's what I do. I buy a pretzel and cheese at whatever venue I'm at. Take a picture before I dig in. And the question is, is there enough cheese slash cheese product to handle the entire pretzel? Sometimes it's a great success. Sometimes it's a disaster. Uh, and then I take a picture when I'm done with the last little morsel of pretzel. Is there still cheese left? And this was one of the great successes in the in the annals of humanity. More than enough cheese, a great pretzel, epic success. We celebrated that on Twitter. There's nothing better than a successful pretzel to cheese ratio challenge. Yeah, sometimes I worry. Sometimes I worry yeah. that the cheese oh, will there's stretch. Lots of reason to worry. Oh, it's it's on. Yeah, I pull my hair out. Whatever. It's hair it's I have really, left. In today's America, it's really usually number one on my list of worries. It's it's right up there. Gas prices and, and is there enough cheese for this pretzel? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> uh, we are going to get to a dream season at Wabasha Kellogg. We do want to thank our sponsors. First of all, use propane. I use it all the time. It's clean. It's efficient. It's easy. My food tastes great. I love grilling. This is the perfect time of the year to grill, although you can grill year-round if you really work at it. And thanks also to Pizza Barn in Princeton, pizzabarnprinceton.com. All right, let's talk about the dream season. Yeah, down at Wabasha Kellogg, Jim. We talked about this uh, softball team a a while back. I went down there for the first playoff game this year for the Wabasha Kellogg softball team. Wabasha is a beautiful town down on the Mississippi River. It's just, it's fantastic down there, the bluff country. Uh, The story that I wrote was about Tim Schumacher, who's retiring. He started the softball program at Wabasha Kellogg 42 years ago. He's stepping down after this season. I saw them play their, their postseason opener the day I was down there. And then last week, I went down to Todd Park in Austin where they have a great section one softball championship day. There's four fields and they, and there's four classes of softball. So you got four section championship games going on at the same time. Uh, They've been doing it forever. I should have been down there 20 years ago to watch it. Uh, Really a fun atmosphere. And I was keeping my eyes mostly on Wabasha Kellogg and, and they did win to go to get to state this week. They were trailing Bethlehem Academy 10 to two came back to win 21 to 11. There were some fireworks in this game and really an exciting game. So they're back to state for the second year in a row. Their record is 13 and 12. So they're not a high seed at the class A state tournament. 
but it's a great accomplishment uh, for a great coach, Mike Schumacher. And no matter what happens at State this week, it's been a really special season for those softball kids and, and their coach and everybody at Wabashaw Kellogg. So congrats to the Falcons. Cool stuff. We are going to get to a pole vault state record. We're going to talk about our most valuable teammate for the week, and we'll get to, yes, more shot clock news. We haven't talked about the shot clock in a while, and I've missed those conversations. We will get to that. First, though, tell us, John, about Pizza Barn in Princeton. Yeah, Jim, you and I have seen that Pizza Barn a couple times recently, uh, the yes. food truck. Uh, we've been to the barn. We've seen the food truck out on the road. Uh, that truck is 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 just going all the time. Uh, Jody Stay, who runs the shop up there, uh, they've got a second food truck coming within weeks here. They're going to have two food trucks. So this is a great time to, to make reservations for your, for your business events, your family events, your civic events. Anything throughout the summer, all these great outdoor events we enjoy in Minnesota. And I bet if you asked about bookings for the fall, they'd take care of you there too. And they make it super easy. The, the Pizza Barn truck rolls up. Everything's right there. Uh, if you go to the website, pizzabarnprinceton.com, there's contact information. Send in a note. Jody will get back to you and tell you how everything works. And, of course, the, the uh, Pizza Barn in downtown Princeton, the actual restaurant, is unbelievably great with a large menu, with anything you want, pizza and, and much more for lunch, dinner, in-person take-and-bake delivery. They've got a great uh, lunch buffet going. They cater, and it's a family-owned business for, for close to 40 years now. It's a, the Pizza Barn's a fantastic asset in the community of Princeton and far beyond. So our great thanks to Jody and everybody on the crew at the Pizza Barn for being a longtime sponsor of our podcast. And now, John, tell us about the pole vault state record. Yeah, Jim, you know, this has not been a great spring for, for outdoor sports, and track is one of those. Uh, it's pretty remarkable considering how bad the weather was for much of the year that we've had three state records broken in uh, high school track and field in Minnesota. The latest one was last week when Jared White, a senior from Pine Island, he went 16-2 in the pole vault. That's the boys' all-time state record. And it's really cool to me. He's the only athlete from an outstate class A school, small school, who currently holds a state record. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, the other two state records set this year, the Moundsview boys, four by 800 meter relay team. They ran an incredible time, seven minutes, 39.91 seconds. At the time they ran that about three weeks ago, it was the fastest time in the country this year for a high school boys four by eight team. Uh, and then Rosamount's Ava Cinemo, she set a state record in the girls triple jump 41 six that's a that's a great distance and jared white the pine island pole vaulter I, i've been zeroing in on him this spring he came really close to the state record last year as a junior he cleared 16 feet state record was 16 one and three quarters so i i think i saw jared pole vault four or five times this spring on the off chance maybe not the off chance but just thinking if he's going to break the record i want to be there and my planning isn't always A1 here. So the, the night he broke the record, I was 160 miles away in, uh, in Watkins watching a section baseball game between Eden Valley Watkins and uh, St. Cloud Cathedral. And I'm driving home. I get a text. And I see it's from uh, Lisa Myron Schutte. She's the athletic director at Pine Island. I pull over, read the text. I figured, oh, geez, he broke the record. Well, he hadn't yet, but Lisa was doing a great job of keeping me posted. 
Jared had cleared 15-9 at the section meet and was having the bar set at 16-2, which would be a new record. I got back on the road a few minutes later, another text dings. I pull over again. He'd set the record. Lisa sent me some video. Then when I got home, I, I talked with Jared on the phone and Pine Island head coach Matt Northrup posted a story. And, you know, a half hour later, I get a text back from Jared, the kid who just broke the all-time state record in his event, thanking me for talking to him on the phone. You know, that, that's the thing about high school kids. It's just so, and he said, I'll see you at state. So I'll be watching him this week. Um, it's, uh, this state track meet is really setting up nicely. You know, it's new this year with three classes instead of two, uh, three days instead of two, but between, you know, these three, uh, individuals and, and the relay team that, that sets state records, this is really going to be exciting. I, I'm a track guy. I admit that. And I'm really looking forward to that and all these spring tournaments. It's just so much fun. Good stuff. All right. Let's get to a couple of one of our set pieces now. Uh, most valuable teammate. Yeah, Charlotte Whiting is a junior at Sacred Heart up in East Grand Forks. She takes part in one-act play and other drama activities at school. She led students at Sacred Heart in forming a drama club and has organized group travel for for her uh, classmates to watch performances at the Ordway and Chanhassen Dinner Theater. Charlotte is a great role model and excellent student. Congrats to Charlotte Whiting of Sacred Heart for being this week's uh, most valuable teammate. Good stuff. And now, finally, let us talk finally. about the shot clock. The shot clock. We how for how many years have we talked about shot clocks? And as we know, not this coming basketball season, but the twenty three twenty four, they're going to be mandated all classes, boys and girls, high school basketball in Minnesota. That's not news. We've known that for months. But when the High School League Board of Directors met this week, they approved a proposal from the Boys and Girls Basketball Associations that will allow a lot of schools to use shot clocks next season, starting this fall, this winter. And the way it's the way it's worded is if every school in a, in a conference has shot clocks in the varsity gyms, they can use shot clocks in their varsity games if they all agree. I don't know how that's going to go, but, you know, some of these metro conferences where everybody's got shot clocks in these big, big suburban gyms, especially, I think we're going to see a lot of shot clock games. Uh, smaller schools, probably not so much, although... You know, some, some of these smaller schools that have fairly new gyms already have shot clocks. Everybody else is installing them at some point before the, you know, two seasons from now. So that's interesting. And the other part of that that intrigues me is if, uh, you know, for schools that play a largely conference schedule, they're really good. Those kids are going to get used to shot clocks, but then they're going to start their section play and then into the state tournaments. There won't be shot clocks next season. I don't know what that will mean, if that will disrupt anything. But it's an interesting twist. And I think I know basketball coaches are very happy that uh, that they're going to be, you know, kind of an early, early adopters here of the shot clock before everybody has to have them in two years. So I thought that was interesting. I give the high school league board a lot of credit for, for looking at this proposal, you know, several pages and saying, yes, this makes sense. We're going to leave it up to these conferences if they all have the equipment. Everybody wants to use them in all their conference games. They can do that now. John, I miss the big arguments about the shot yeah, clock. Can't I we just telling, reprise a couple of those? 
yeah, let's go back to Twitter. Let's go back in the in the annals. I was joking with somebody after this board meeting. I said, you know, anytime this board meets and shot clocks are on the agenda, and they've been on the agenda for a long time at different different points. You know, you'd think the world had exploded on Twitter. And this and there was this wasn't even a there wasn't even a flicker of anything on Twitter, just no reaction. So I think everybody's moved on to whatever the next crisis is. So that's uh, that's fine with me. <laughs> and now that we're we are in early to mid June, when do things start slowing down? Yeah, you know we uh, like next week we'll be through basically the state tournaments. I'll be busy through then. We do actually the final event of the spring is. Friday, June twenty fourth, the, the uh, Clay Target Championships, um, which is which is uh, not a fully it's a kind of a high school league sort of sanctioned event. We really don't have we're not involved in the regular season, but we do we do kind of co sponsor a state tournament. So that's the end of the school year in our office, and then the week after that, right before the Fourth of July. The National Federation Convention is being held in San Antonio. I think I'm going to pass on that this year. And then for me, July is kind of, that's my summer. I will take some vacation. Um, there's some some different related activities that go on in our office in July after, after the 4th. It's very quiet, at least in my world. And then by the 1st of August, 2nd of August, our board is holding a workshop and another meeting and my wife and I are going to squeeze in a trip uh, to see our grandkids in California in August. And then um, August 15th, that's the start of fall practice and away we go. So we're looking at, you know, a really short summer and that's not new, but it's, you know, our, our high school seasons in Minnesota go pretty late compared to most states. You know, I think North Dakota had their state track and field meet at least a week ago. Iowa had theirs, I think, two weeks ago. Wisconsin has done with their state track meet and that, you know, that's kind of the, that kind of, that's a big one. Those state track meets, that's usually the most involved. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, and I've been doing this so long, Jim, I don't even think about it. Just, that's just how it is here. We go late and we start kind of early in the fall and that's fine. Late in the spring, early in the fall, squeeze in some vacation time and recharge and let's do it again. It's a good schedule for the podcast. There you go. <laughs> So thanks to John, as always, for bringing us such great stuff from around the state. Thanks to Brianne. Thanks to you for listening to TalkNorth.com. You can go to the website and check out all the other sports shows, all the variety shows, the outdoor shows. If you like Dave Lee on WCCO, Dave's now doing a show for us. Uh, Mike Grimm's doing a Go Gopher podcast. We've added the Prosser Brothers with the Prosbox. So we now have three hockey shows to go with two football shows, uh, Cheryl Reeve, everything else. Check it out. We do appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week.